Welcome to Scaling with Soul, formerly The Fifth Palette Almost Killed Me, a show that gives you a behind-the-scenes look at starting and growing a consumer products goods business. I'm your host, Heather K. Terry. I'm a New York City area-based consultant, and I've advised and had key roles in not only my own brands, but with dozens of others as well. My main objective is to help you avoid the many mistakes I've made or have been witness to in my 11 plus years as an entrepreneur. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Okay, I know, I know, I say it every single time, but I have got some kick ass women on the podcast um, to start out the new year. So um, today is no exception to that. Marcy Zaroff is an internationally recognized conscious lifestyle visionary, authority, innovator, and educator. With a degree from the Haas Business School, UC Berkeley, Marcy has been instrumental in driving meaningful change for three decades. Her holistic expertise spans health and wellness, organic food and beauty, as well as sustainable home textiles and fashion. She plants seeds of consciousness globally as a serial entrepreneur, keynote speaker, mentor, and advisor. Marcy is living proof that we can transform the world through sustainable business. Marcy began her career by co-founding a health and environmental educational center in 1990, Gulliver's Living and Learning Center, now known as the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, which many of you have either been to or know very, very well. It has grown into the largest professional health coach certification program in the world. In 1995, Marcy realized the missing link in the wellness equation and coined the term eco-fashion. She saw this as an opportunity to pioneer the market for organic apparel and home textiles by launching the lifestyle brand Under the Canopy. As the founder and former CEO, Marcy built Under the Canopy from the ground up. Her hands-on work, deep in the trenches of the supply chain, helped her to recognize firsthand opportunities to transform the textile industry from farm to finished fashion. As a serial ecopreneur, Marcy continues to drive industry awareness and transformation through her work. She is the founder and president of MetaWare, the first vertically integrated GOTS certified turnkey apparel manufacturer in the USA, the co creator of Beyond Brands, a conscious consulting collective with her husband, Eric Schnell, and founder of Farm to Home, a cozy, affordable, and organic home textile collection for everyone. Marcy's latest brand, Yes And, introduces accessibility to the sustainable fashion world. Yes, you can have fashion that makes you look and feel good. And yes, you can make a difference doing it. Made from GOTS certified organic cotton, Yes And debunks the myth that eco-fashion requires consumers to compromise on price, style, or quality. Marcy is also co-founder of the nonprofit organization Reset, which stands for Regenerate the Environment, Society, and Economy Through Textiles, which trains and supports India's cotton farmers on regenerative organic farming practices. Marcy is on the board of directors of the Organic Trade Association, Textile Exchange, and Fashion Revolution USA. 
She she serves on the advisory boards of the Cradle to Cradle Innovation Institutes, Fashion Positive, Turning Green, and Fair Trade USA. Marcy was a key driver in defining the Global Organic Textile Standards, or GOTS, as you've heard me mention just a minute ago, as well as the world's first Fair Trade Textile Certification with Fair Trade USA. Because of her deep knowledge of sustainable business and organic trade, Marcy is frequently featured in TV and print media. She has appeared, get ready for this, in Women's Wear Daily, Huffington Post, Entrepreneur, Newsweek, The New York Times, USA Today, The Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg, InStyle, Lucky, Vanity Fair, CNN, L, Entertainment Television, and more. Phew. I mean, the woman has been everywhere. Marcy's creativity goes beyond business. She is executive producer of the upcoming documentary, Thread, and the 2014 short film series, Driving Fashion Forward with Amber Valletta, exposing the human and environmental impacts of the fashion industry. As an author, Marcy's first book, Eco Renaissance, co-creating a stylish, sexy, and sustainable world, was published by Simon & Schuster in August of 2018. An international keynote speaker and consultant, Marcy is an expert on organic and sustainable fashion, strategic vision, social innovation, green business and design, and the rise of the values-driven millennial generation. Marcy has received numerous recognitions, such as Retail Touchpoints Retail Innovator Award, New York Moves Power Woman Award, and is both a Royal Society of the Arts Fellow and a Henry Crown Fellow of the Aspen Institute an artist, yoga enthusiast, and mother of two green millennials who are absolutely exceptional, Marcy lives in New York City with her husband and twin flame soulmate, Eric Schnell, who also happens to be my boss and is also an amazing person. But really, I am so beyond thrilled to introduce you all to Marcy Zaroff. If you have not uh, known her work in your career, you will know her now, and um, she will influence, influence you in great ways. So here we go. Hi, everyone. Oh, my goodness. I am so excited today because I have the biggest fangirl crush on Marcy Zaroff. And I'm actually like super lucky because I get to work with her all the time now. Uh, It's one of like the greatest joys of my career right now to call this woman um, a friend and a mentor and a partner. Um, She, you guys all just heard her bio. She has done so much in her career. I am so, so thrilled to have Marcy Zaroff on the podcast today. Yay. Well, thanks, Heather. It's a mutual love fest here then. <laughs> <laughs> so the listeners just really heard about this great, amazing career that you've had. And it's it's been a, a long career and a, a career that's had a lot of ups and downs, I know from personally knowing you. You coined the term eco-fashion. And that was in 1995. And, I, you know, it was funny, like in my notes here, I was like, damn, girl, you were patient. <laughs> it's been the journey of a thousand miles, as so, Lao says. <laughs> so talk about that for a second, because you believed in this in 1995, when this was not on anyone's radar. And I would argue that was sort of like the beginning of fast fashion, Um at least for for me in my eyes, like just knowing, you know, just in consumer behavior patterns, my own behavior patterns, understanding that like, that's really when I feel like disposable clothing kind of became a thing. And so you really stuck with this instead of saying like, I see the opportunity here with like fast fashion, you were like, no, 
I'm putting my flag in the sand and I'm staying put right here and I will continue to talk about this and, and champion for it. So can you talk a little bit about that? Like how you got there, why it has been so important and paramount in your career and, and just the patience it's taken for you to get here. Okay. So, um, where did I start? Well, I actually started on the food side, which is where most people do start when they enter this kind of lifestyle mindset. Um, the first thing they get exposed to is, you know, conscious food, organic food, healthy food, because we start to think about what we're putting in our bodies, right? So um, when I was 16 years old, I actually was given a book called Living in the Light, and it just kind of struck a chord in me that there's more than what we see. And it kind of took me down the rabbit hole of being a vegetarian and embracing macrobiotic philosophy and some other Eastern modalities. And through the course of um, my first chapter, which was the founding of a company that is now known as the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Um, which I, I went to. <laughs> Yay! Oh my God. I that. Um, so now 80,000 people like you are certified as health coaches. So that that school actually started out of my apartment in 1990. Marcy, um, you know that IIN is the reason <laughs> that Nib More Chocolate exists. I love that. It yeah, makes Sarah, me so happy. And so like, it's all about planting seeds, which is yeah. very metaphoric for the fact that I'm a total soil junkie, which is how I sort of segued from food into fiber and made that sort of interconnection realization that you really can't support one part of the equation without the other. So in 1995, I coined the term eco-fashion because just being in the trenches on the food side, you know, there was this sort of intuitive, almost like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, this evolution that you start with your first basic need, which is food, and then you go, what's next? What else? What more? And in Maslow's hierarchy, it is shelter, it's clothing, it's protection. And so that was sort of this intuitive piece, but a very tangible um catalyst for me was shopping on Fifth Avenue with some clients of mine from IIN, um, and uh, they were high-profile celebrity VIP royal family, um, and we were just shopping for fashion, and I got best dressed in high school. I always loved fashion. It's been like, you know, I was like the one everyone wanted to shop with when I was uh, when I was younger, and even to this day, you know, my whole family is like, can you go shopping with me? Just love style. I love, you know, I've always considered myself somewhat of an artist. I grew up doing painting and pottery and calligraphy, and um, and so fashion's a part of that. It's an expression of creativity. Um, but when I started, and I coined that term eco-fashion in 1995, people thought I was crazy, um, other than these clients that I'm talking about who were like, hey, what about fashion? And I was like, oh, yeah, I need to connect these dots. And that became the catalyst. Um, but, you know, they were two dichotomous worlds. For the most part, people who were into fashion were definitely not into the environment and into wellness and into humanitarianism and, and social consciousness. And people at that time who were into, you know, the good stuff and the juicy eco ecology um, were certainly not thinking about fashion. And I was like, yeah, but I'm that person. I want to bridge those worlds. I want to bridge the fashionista and the tree hugger because I'm both of those people, the tribe and the boardroom because I'm both of those people. And I want to make sustainability stylish and i want to make the idea of no compromise where you can have style quality fit color comfort hand price everything you want in fashion to be not to be mutually exclusive 
with social and environmental responsibility. So when I first started, you know, the concept and I created a brand in 1995 called Under the Canopy, people were just like, wait, I don't get it. You know, like you can't really do both. And can you smoke it after you wear it? And <laughs> what does that really mean? And if you look back in the early Under the Canopy catalogs from the 90s, the stories I was telling then about organic cotton and recycled fibers and tencel and low impact dyes and are the same stories I'm telling today 25 years later. Just the big difference is there's a lot more people listening now. <laughs> Why do you think that is? What do you think it, what, what has happened, especially I think in the last like two or three years, because I think before the last two or three years, I don't, I still think people were pretty asleep about this issue. Yeah, I think it's really comes down to it took a while for even the foods, believe it or not, because, you know, now it just seems like it's in your face everywhere, right? It, you know, 83% of Americans are eating organic food, but it took a lot, a long time um, for that movement to even, you know, gain traction. And, you know, in the early years, the stigmas around food were, it has no taste, you know, it's, it's granola, it's brown rice. If you're eating healthy, it has no flavor. You know, there was that stigma. If you walk into a health food store, it was dark and dingy. Um, and Whole Foods really changed the game, right? So I would credit Whole Foods to kind of waking up the masses and the mainstream um, around, wow, you can have a stunning store that's aesthetically exciting and pleasing and modern and cool, but it's also promoting healthier choices. And I think the stigmas on a similar level that have come with, you know, sustainable or eco fashion have been that you have to give something up, you have to give up quality, or you have to give up style, or you have to give up, or you have to pay a lot more, or how do you really know? And then it was so intangible, the whole idea of, well, I, I'm starting to understand that what I put in my body actually matters, but that get around what I put on my body still wasn't there. And so now I think riding in the wake of um, the food, the organic and natural food movement, um, married with the internet, which has absolutely changed the game for sustainable fashion because we can now tell stories, we can talk about sourcing, we can talk about where do my clothes come from, who's making them, how are they being made, the whole fashion revolution movement. Um, and, you know, and transparency has now become just as critical as price and quality and style and all those other attributes people are seeking. They want to know those answers. And because of that, um, we finally, I think, have hit a tipping point in sustainable fashion where if you can give people everything they want and, oh, by the way, you know, you can buy that dress, that shirt, that jacket and make a difference to human and environmental wellness and farmer and worker welfare and future generations. And you can be a part of something great where you can look good, feel good and do good in the world without giving anything up. That whole kind of premise or concept now has finally taken root. Um, but it's taken a while because people didn't get it and they had a negative image of what it would be versus, so we were starting actually even below ground zero in trying to win over this concept, this movement, um, for the masses. Yeah, because you were really, you were a very early mover in this with Under the Canopy in particular. And again, to your point, I mean, people just really didn't know what to do with it. They didn't understand why that was something that they should be purchasing. So I just want to back up a little bit because in all of this and in taking, it, it's taken a long time for this particular message for you to, to really pop with like greater society and for people to become really aware. 
you have had to have, have had moments in all of this that you've wanted to give up and you've wanted to just like throw in the towel and be like, screw this. Like, I'm not, I, it's just never going to work. Nobody's ever going to get it. And I know you've had some other parts of your career where you've kind of pivoted and done some other things and all that, but you've always kept your eye on this and you've always had a hand in it in some way, shape or form. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, under the canopy, how that went, the, you know, the, I know there were a lot of successes in that business, but I'm sure there was also a lot of disappointments. Um, and then, you know, the, and also just talking a little bit about those moments as somebody who has waited so long for this vision to come to full fruition, right? It's had like many, many moments, right? Over the last 25 years, but you have, you have been so patient, you know, how, how in all that time have you kept your eye on the prize? Because for most entrepreneurs, like, they were just like, they were just like, peace out. Like I I'm done. I can't do this any longer. And so what is, what has kept you there? Yeah. Vision is the art of seeing things invisible. That's a Jonathan Swift quote that I love because you just have to stay focused on the vision and allow for the pivots and the twists and the turns. In fact, I feel like I've been a walking cliche for the last three decades, which is, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you smarter and stronger. You know, one door closes, another one opens, right? Um, and that's just been my sort of entrepreneurial, you know, philosophy, which is, um, you know, don't get stuck in the muck, right? Don't see challenges as roadblocks, see them as opportunities to get better and to, you know, it's like, you don't know what you do want unless you know what you don't want. Right. So you kind of have to learn those lessons along the way, but that's part of the fun of the journey and you've got to enjoy that ride. And have I had those, you know, huge, you know, overwhelming obstacles in front of me? Hell yeah. You know, I, I've had everything from a fulfillment catastrophe in Y2K, which most people don't even know what that is, but I had a computer <laughs> crash at my fulfillment center and was a complete disaster and spun under the canopy into, you know, a, um, almost a sabbatical because we had to clean up this, you know, this overwhelming mess. And, um, you know, and that certainly could have put us away, but, you know, the law of a good entrepreneur is, you know, persistence, tenacity, conviction, passion. So as long as you, you know, keep those, you know, attributes intact, right, then ultimately you just keep going. And um, I've also had a, you know, a Me Too situation where I had a, you know, a, a very senior person in my company, investor, uh, board member with a, you know, uh, I was a product of my my female generation where, you know, today a female entrepreneur likely would not have to endure the kinds of things that mm. 25 years ago, 20 years ago, um, just were sort of commonplace in order to survive as a woman in a man's world. You know, try pitching investors when you're a woman who um, is not only you know, talking about fashion, which is, you know, for most men in suits was a foreign concept and scary and overwhelming and like what and blah, you know, but then marry that to eco fashion. And suddenly they're like, what? That's like, who's ever going to buy that? You know, they just absolutely didn't get it. So you're know, thinking of you right now. Oh gosh. Now, <laughs> I love the lines that are forming around like, you know, investors now for my, my new entity, which is super exciting. Um, you know, I, but I paid my dues, right. I've definitely, uh, had my share of bumps and bruises and, and blood fests along the way, but you know, it's all part of why I am where I am. 
So I, let's go, let's kind of talk about that for a second because time, right? So a lot of young entrepreneurs or first-time entrepreneurs, they want it to happen now. They see the blog, they see the social media posts, they think, they believe that somebody uh, gained that success overnight, right? Yeah. And you and I know from all the entrepreneurs we know and ourselves, uh, even together, you could put Marcy and I in a boat together and there would be a lot of fail, like failed stories like in that boat with us, be like, oh, this failure, this failure, this There'd failure. Be some this tidal failure. waves in there. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, you know, as an entrepreneur and as somebody who, you know, I, I mentor and I know you do too, mentoring a lot of young entrepreneurs, you know, a failure is a big interest of mine because when I look back at, my career, I think of all those failures finally stacking up. Um, you know, you said it really, really well a minute ago, you know, getting better over time. Um, it's not just for wine. It's like <laughs> actually in skill as well. Like time actually will, if you work really hard and you're, you're, you're allowing yourself to make those mistakes, you're going to get better with time. And I think that's a really interesting point. Um, what else would you say to some of the, especially first-time female entrepreneurs who are listening to this, this podcast, what else would you say to them about this getting better with time? You know, this idea that like, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be right all the time. You don't have to get it right the first time, right? Uh, I think especially as women, um, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to get it right the first time and for that first venture to be the thing. Yeah, I mean, I think, Part of it is, as Ashley Koff would say, better not perfect, right? Yeah. Um, although I am a, you know, I'm a Sag and I'm a perfectionist uh, at heart. And I, I'm always, you know, I have very high standards, um, you know, ask anyone around me. Um, but I would say this, that don't set yourself up to fail. In other words, don't expect that wherever you set out to, you know, be is where you're going to be. In fact, I actually tell people, young entrepreneurs, people who work for me, um, the opposite. I say, wherever you think, however you think this is going to happen, it's not. So go into it knowing that you, are, you will pivot, you will fall, you will ride this like a roller coaster. And if you don't have the the guts and you don't have the skin to actually put your seatbelt on and go for that really fun roller coaster ride with your arms up and surrender to it. Don't get on this ride because that is the law of being an entrepreneur. And, um, and that's part of the, what makes being an entrepreneur so exciting too, right? Like we yeah. kind of thrive on that excitement. So, you know, I, I've pivoted multiple times in my career within every one of my businesses and, you know, and I just, it goes back to the, you just keep getting better and you stay focused and you, you as long as your eyes are open, and you know that part of that process is the learning and the growing. That that's what it's all about, right? It's not about the shirt and it's not about the, you know, organic candy. It's really about the experience that we all are hungry for. It's about contributing to something, being a part of something, creating a legacy, you know, it's just it's that whole like, you know, life is short, right? It's enjoying every moment. And I think the older you get as an entrepreneur, the more experienced you get, you start to realize that the things that might've thrown you into an absolute tizzy earlier in your career, you know, like, oh my God, that order didn't hit the customer in time, <laughs> you know, and you're just like freaking out over it. And then you realize like, this too will pass. It's going to be a blip. I'm not even going to remember this happened in a few years from now. 
So it's like, don't even allow you, like it's some of it is the psychology of experience that you start to approach business very differently over time with a different lens and a different um, depth of wisdom, right? And that only make continues to unfold with more clarity, more strength, and um, and you know where your your vision and your passion doesn't ever get compromised. It just changes course, and just like life itself, right? We you know we take different shapes and forms. So it's all perspective. Yeah, I, I love everything you just said because it's totally true. And I think time and patience and waiting are some of the most difficult things as an entrepreneur. But I totally hear you. Like in the early days, like I remember the meltdowns <laughs> and the freakouts and the, you know, the, the, the just yeah, and the exhaustion of energy, really, right? Like this, this idea that like all this emotion. I had, I mean, and, and it's kind of part of where you are just like an emotional maturity as a person. And, and as you get older, I think that starts to change for everybody, but for most people, we hope. Uh, but, you know, then seeing how you, you know, I deal with things now today, it's just like, oh yeah, that happened. Like, we'll deal with it, you know. Or you try to force things, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. You try to force things. You try to make like the square pit peg fit in the round hole and you go against your gut when your gut is like, this isn't working. This isn't working. What do I do? And that, that awkward moment in time where you're like, you're kind of crossing a bridge to like, you're in a limbo. You know, it's not working, but you don't know how to fix it yet. Yeah. And like, and when you start to realize that you'll get there, just a lot, just like in any personal relationship. I mean, the beauty of being in the world that I think I live in today, which is, you know, what how I've kind of built my life career is an alignment in my professional and my personal life where my values are not any different, right? So the way I would approach a personal relationship and the way I approach my my professional relationships slash businesses are very much in parallel. Um, and you realize energetically that when they're not in alignment, that's when you're, that's when you can be disconnected and thrown off. And, and that sort of broken sensibility of not feeling grounded is part of what contributes to that fear and that overwhelm and that. So, you know, I would venture to say as an entrepreneur, it's, it's important to be mindful about trusting your gut, on every level, not just in your professional decisions, but in your personal life too. And don't force things to work that aren't working. Be willing to break and move on to the next thing or pivot, as we said. Amazing. I love that. I, that those are like big, big lessons for people to hear. Okay. Before we talk about what you're doing now, I have one more question for you because I think it's an, it's an interesting question um, to ask between both of us. Cause you know, I, I'm of the generation. I, I'm a Gen X and Gen Xer technically, and I sort of live on the line of being a Gen Xer and a millennial. And you're a Gen Xer, and I think um, you had you had mentioned something earlier about paying your dues. And I think generationally, there's a little bit of a disparity between um, those of us that sort of come from a generation where our parents really talked about paying our dues and sort of showing up and saying, okay, I'm going to do whatever it takes because I want to get there. There's a little bit, and I hear this a lot in the entrepreneurial community. I hear this a lot from experienced entrepreneurs that the younger people that are coming to them expect to just be handed something. And I kind of want to hear from you how you've experienced that, if you've experienced that, and what you would say to the younger generation of entrepreneurs and even people wanting to work in startups about that right? You know, what, what, what do you, what words of wisdom do you have for people looking for jobs in this, uh, sector, you know, startup and also, um, 
you know, how is that, how, how do you, how are you seeing that happen out there? Yeah, I think there's sort of this inherent conflict with social media and, um, and the internet, because it's a blessing and a curse, right? The blessing is the access to information and sharing and community is unparalleled and unprecedented. Um, the downside of it is there's this need and desire for instant gratification that's sort of born out of, I can get the answers I need right now. I want this, you know, I want the results right now. Um, and I would just say, you know, it's really important to, again, shift that perspective as an entrepreneur to be number one, always follow your heart. <clears throat> and, and that's where the truth lives, right? So trust your gut, follow your heart. Um, our heads are like our, you know, can be assets, but they can also be our greatest enemies because we justify things and we live in our brains and we think things that like aren't real, right? Like the only thing that's real is like, how do you feel? And, and I think if you follow that path of like listening to that, like that voice inside, you'll, you'll find your way. Just don't put that again. It's like, don't self-impose pressures that don't really exist. They're just figments of your imagination, right? They are not real. They're just, your brain is trying to put some kind of like, you know, rule book in place. And I think, um, I think allowing that sort of creativity to flow is a big part of getting where you want to go right? And that comes back to, again, energy. We're made of energy. That's who we are. Every choice we make, every thought we have, every action we take is built on energy. So when energy is in its flow, it thrives. When energy gets blocked, it gets stuck. So if you think about everything about, you know, who you are and what you're doing and where you're doing it and how you're doing it, just be in the moment, you know, it's like Ram Dass, right? Be here now and allow yourself to appreciate this moment. Wake up every day in a state of gratitude because that's part of the perception, the perspective thing. It's if you're thinking like, how lucky am I? How great is this? How fortunate? How appreciative? That it doesn't leave a lot of room for like, I'm supposed to the lack emotion. I'm supposed to be here. I should be getting that. Why aren't I that? Why haven't I hit that? It's all about training yourself from a place of, um, you know, allowing the, that sort of light to, to, to thrive, to shine, um, and to radiate. And that comes from the heart, the gut, the soul, um, and that place that is, you know, um, really going to guide you way better than, you know, again, the rules and the, and the constraints and the, and the definition of success. Yeah. I think, you know, when, what you say about lack, I talk about lack a lot. And, you know, when you come from that place of lack, more lack just gets thrown upon you, right? It's, it, it's, a, it's a never ending cycle. And so instead of approaching something as I don't have this, I don't have the experience, I don't have the time, I don't have the, the this, I don't have the, that, the, that, instead to say to yourself, like, wow, I have an opportunity here. I have an opportunity to like step into something that's bigger than me, that's bigger than everyone around me that could potentially be huge, but I've got to take it one step at a time and stop, you know, again, to your point, social media is great, but that sort of instant gratification that seeing everybody else there when we all know that really not everybody's there, you know, they're somewhere on the way to there. They just make it look like they're there. Right, right. 
you know, uh, and I do think younger generations, because they've grown up with this, have that feeling, you know, um, it took Oprah a long time to be Oprah, right? She wasn't like Oprah the day she showed up. She, she, there were a lot of steps to get to being Oprah, right? All the big icons, mentors, role models out there, you know, can't lose sight of the fact that they got there over a long period of time, really kind of being in the trenches and, and doing their thing. And I, you know, I ask people often when I'm interviewing them, if you could write your own job description, what would it look like? And it's less about looking at their resume and saying, they did this, they did this, they did this. And I want to hear from them. I want them to just channel what they love and, and imagine what it would feel like to be in a job that they love every day. And that, that holds a lot more weight for me in terms of, um, you know, kind of mentoring people when they're entering, you know, and, and not just actually um, people who I'm interviewing for jobs, but when I'm mentoring, you know, entrepreneurs, it's close your eyes, you know, and I, I talk about this a lot in my book, which, you know, Eco Renaissance, which is, you know, we want to appeal to people at a visceral level at the, you know, at the surface. So in consumer products, like it has to taste good, it has to look good, it has to smell good, you know, all those things. But what it's, what's really important is when you pull those layers of the onion back, and you unfold what's behind them, which then goes back to, you know, when you talk about social media, it's not about that picture. It's what does that picture mean? What's behind it? How did that person feel when they were taking that picture? What was the environment around them? Why did they choose that spot? It's, it's kind of going into, as Simon Sinek would say, the why, right? The why is really the fun part of being an entrepreneur. You know, we, we drive with, you know, that kind of surface. And that was really the catalyst for me with my mentor um, for 25 years, the founder of Aveda, who wrote the foreword for my book, Horst Reckelbacher, who, you know, was just a genius at, you know, really just sort of hitting the nail on the head around that, which is appeal to people at this beautiful aesthetic level, then take them down the rabbit hole and, you know, and, and introduce them to plant wisdom and ancient Ayurvedic medicine and, you know, and healing and, and indigenous um, mind, you know, philosophies. And I love that. And that's really been, you know, in my life work, I think that excitement, I've been doing this work for three decades and I, I am still learning and growing every single day. And that's the part that gets me fired up why I wake up in the morning excited every single day. Because in the words of Khalil Gibran, who wrote The Prophet, work is love made visible. So if you love your work, it's not work, it's love. Mm-hmm. So just think of it that way. And then that's my favorite quote because that's what like fuels me every day. Yeah, it's kind of, it's what I feel at Beyond Brands every single day. So it's, it's really awesome. Okay. So I want to talk about what you're doing right now. Cause I want everybody to know what you're doing right now. And I am so, uh, I'm so lucky and it, it sounds silly, but I'm so lucky. And I, I feel so privileged to be an investment partner at Eco Fashion Corp. And it's, it's a, just an amazing company and you guys are doing so much. I just want the listeners to hear, uh, you know, this is the culmination of your life's work and that sounds dramatic, but it really is. This is the, this is the big one for you and it is manifesting very, very swiftly um, for something that took so long to get to, right? (laughs) And some people would say like, wow, it's taking you three decades to get here, but like it's all of that that came into this. And you, you know, when you look at even the decks for Eco Fashion Corp, you know, you can see the love and the experience and the insight um, 
to everything that you're doing. So can you tell us a little bit about the ethos of the company and, and where it's going and what you're doing and all of that? Yeah. So Eco Fashion Corp, as you said, is kind of, I would say my grand slam, like final go, my legacy, um, and the culmination and the, and the convergence of a lot of years of, you know, living at the intersection of food and beauty and fashion, um, and business and art and wellness. And, you know, and which is, those are the six chapters of my book, right? Which is, there's a reason for that because that's really the integration of all of these different elements elements. Um, but, you know, from the standpoint of Eco Fashion Corp, we have three verticals um, that all sort of came to life somewhat organically. The first one was Metaware, which is a B2B uh, kind of an intel inside of sustainable fashion manufacturing. So um, plug and play, customizable, private label or co-branded uh, sustainable fashion for brands and retailers. So we forge a lot of partnerships. My favorite number is 11 um, because one plus one equals 11. We're all stronger together than we are apart. We have to co-create the reality we wish to see or in my book, I say co-create a stylish, sexy, sustainable world. Um, and so MetaWare really has amazing partnerships with major, major retailers, with young, cool e-commerce brands, with, you know, food companies like Dr. Bronner's and, and Cliff Bar and Greenpeace and, you know, all kinds of organizations. Um, but, but really the premise of, of MetaWare is to make sustainability easy. We take all those challenges and complexities out of the equation because we're full package turnkey manufacturing. Then part two is MetaWare's birthing its own child, um, which is kind of at the core of why this is what it is, which is it's yes, everything you want and ethically made, you know, uh, all sustainable, organic, uh, recycled, fair trade, all those add-ons that add value to values or add values to value. Um, so this and that, yes and, is the name of our brand, yes and, which is um, going to be born January 13th. And it is a, um, a really fun, cool, soft, high-quality, contemporary women's fashion brand to start um, and uh, all organic. And so there's affordable, accessible, authentic, that those are kind of the DNA of, of yes and. And then part three of Eco Fashion Corp is Arm to Home, which, you know, as someone who has been um, really connecting agriculture with popular culture, that's kind of the, you know, the essence of Farm to Home, which is I'm in the farms with the farmers. It's my like happy place. It's like water for chocolate for me. It's where I, I can't believe that I'm like, you know, working with these people who are dedicating their lives to growing cotton and, you know, and really making a difference on the ground. And they can't believe that I'm taking their cotton and integrating it into products across the world and, you know, telling the story of, you know, the why and the what and the how and the when and, and how it matters. Um, so there's so much like win, win, win synergy and win, win, win is again, one of those fundamental principles that are integrated into all of my businesses is how do we serve each other? Cause serving you is serving me, you know, we're in this together. Um, and so farm to home just launched on QVC 
and it can be found on qvc.com. You can just search farm to home and you'll see our six categories we launched with, um, sheets, towels, robes, throws, um, comforters, pillows, all certified organic, um, but at amazing prices with incredible quality and softness. I think you've gotten a few products, so you know. Just a few, just a few. Yeah, <laughs> great gift giving. Um, but really the three brands, Farm to Home, Yes And, and Metaware are all, you know, sister companies that work hand in hand. I have an incredible team around me that, you know, um, overlaps on all of the different uh, brands. And it's really, you know, it's almost like having line extensions in a food brand, you know, it's all kind of, it's all holistic and it's one big ecosystem um, and very much connected, but I'm having a great time. I'm going to India this week, um, which I go to India every, you know, six to nine months. Um, and just love being there. That's where we do most of our manufacturing across the three brands, um, all the way, you know, fully vertical, so super transparent, totally traceable. And the model really is about, you know, understanding the source all the way to the story. Yeah, it's a, it's an amazing company. And Marcy did an amazing job on QVC recently. <laughs> um, and you're going to be on QVC a lot more. I am super, super surreal. Um, we're working on our 2020 collections now, and we're going to be adding new products, new categories. Um, you know, I think they're they're really um, incredible partners, and they've been super supportive around you know kind of uh, driving this uh, brand and myself really as an eco lifestyle expert, kind of the Martha Stewart esque of the movement. Um, and uh, Farm to Home is is you know just getting started, and I think um, we've gotten a lot of love, and I hopefully um, a lot more to come. So, yeah, it's amazing. Okay, so last question, yeah, uh, which is let's set an intention. It's not really a question. Let's set an intention. So I want to know where Marcy Zeroff and Eco Fashion Corp will be in five years. <laughs> well, as an investor, that's a great question. <laughs> it's really self-seeking. I'm just kidding. Listen, I mean, my mission has always been to revolutionize the fashion industry, you know, through inspiration, education, innovation, collaboration, right? And in the, you know, I would say in the, in the wake of Horst Rackelbacher, my mentor who I mentioned earlier, who founded Aveda, um, there's no better role model, you know, for me than him because he really demonstrated the no compromise business model that, you know, you can have it all. And I think, you know, when I started my career and I even have like posters hanging in my apartment that, you know, interviews way back when that say, you know, my mission, my meta mission was to make the norm the alternative and the alternative the norm. So to me, the new normal in fashion is eco-fashion. It's not a little niche thing. It is something just like Horst accomplished today, and he passed away, unfortunately, a few years ago. But today, you know, CVS, Dwayne Reed, Walgreens, Walmart, Target, Costco are lining their shelves with green beauty and clean beauty. And it's no longer a niche thing the way it was when Horst started um, Aveda. And um, I hope to see the same, that Eco Fashion Corp, through our three divisions, paves the way for a complete and utter transformation of the fashion industry. Well, Marcy, Horace passed the torch. You are a role model for so many people. Pioneer in your category, powerhouse, kind and generous human being. 
I want to be like Marcy Zaroff when I grow up. Um, and just thank you. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me. It's such a joy. And, you know, Beyond Brands, again, is just all about co-creation. Everything is about co-creation and about love and about unity and about, you know, shift and making a positive reality that we can all thrive in. And thank you for being a part of that and joining forces with us on Beyond Brands and Beyond SKU and uh, Eco Fashion Corp. And we're just getting started. So ring, ring, rev the engines up and let's go. Let's so go. Thank Thanks so much, Marcy. Thanks, Heather. <laughs> I know I said it at the top of the episode. I mean, she is one of my biggest fangirl crushes on the planet. And now I get to work with her all the time and I'm so over the moon about it. And I hope that you really enjoyed that interview. And she is such an inspirational person. And I hope you took something away from it that will drive you on a daily basis. Remember, Scaling with Soul comes out as often as we can produce it. We stopped saying every Tuesday morning because we're really crazy busy. And there's so many businesses that me and my team are working on that we literally produce this whenever we possibly can. And we love doing it. For more startup business insights, sign up for my newsletter at heatherkterry.com or buy my book, From Broadway to Wall Street, Cautionary Tales of an Unlikely Entrepreneur, which is available on Amazon. If you have an idea or question for the podcast, direct message me on Instagram at Heather K. Terry. Make sure you are subscribed to this podcast on iTunes. And please, if you feel compelled and really love this podcast, please leave a comment. It's really, really appreciated. And it also really helps a lot. If you'd like to work with me directly, go over to the website and click on the offerings tab. You can contact us there to set something up. Scaling the Soul is executive produced by Lauren Appelt, and all visual elements are created by Radhika Maheshwari, Casey Alvarez, and the Alvarez Branding Company. Now, get out there and do something to move your business forward. Till next time.